Comic Cast RX number 215, Shredinger's Ninja. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono. This is Common Rider Zio, episode 17, Happy New Walls. And episode 18, Amazing Time Future. All separate words. With an exclamation point after each one, in case you did not catch Sona's inflection. Our writer for both was Shimo Yamakento, and our director was Shibasaki Takayuki. Uh, out there making some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, I have to say I'm pleasantly surprised at what Kento's been up to with these, because Kento's going some places in this show. I don't know, good, bad, ugly, but we're going some places, and I'm glad. But uh, let's let's say we get into the overall thoughts, because we, we have some, well, I don't know if they're necessarily thoughts, but just some stuff to get out the way before we get going. Uh, yeah, to start, I want to put it out there that in 18, the scene where Sogo decides to call the Wazes Black Waz and White Waz is delightfully, charmingly meta, but I'm going to refer to them as Scarf Waz and Hat Waz, um, because I've never been all that fond of the implications of black and white as markers, especially since they tend to denote good and bad, and here in the U.S., there's no way for that to not tie back to unfortunate and unpleasant racial implications. And the scarf and the hat are just much more notable markers for them, I think, so that's what I'm going to be calling them. And I think that uh, that's that's good praxis for us on the Uncommon cast going forward, because, well, like you said, uh, unfortunate associations that a lot like people still do it with new characters today in the states i'm just like ah, mm, i don't i don't know why you do that or why you haven't retconned some of the old ones because blah blah fidelity to the original movies <sighs> I, sorry i'm gonna wake up now but uh it's it's weird i think though i just want to drop that while hat and scarf definitely are more than fine for me because they're good markers. I am sad, and perhaps this is just because I watched and really enjoyed most of the TV show Fringe, which, uh, if you'll haven't, give it a shot sometimes. At the very least, I think, well, I forget which season. One season is freaking spectacular. The rest goes up and... Anyway, this is not the Fringe cast. Um, but in that show, when they meet people from an alternate universe, they created these funny portmanteau names for them. Uh, two of the characters are Walter and Olivia, and they had counterparts who were known as Walternate and Faux-Olivia. I've been trying to think of something to call the, the counter-waz besides hat-waz, but uh, the English language is making that difficult because waz doesn't really flow into or out of most words that would fit the bill. Say levé, but uh, what's that? I'm, yep, I'm gonna it, stick yeah. with scarf walls and hat walls. Yeah, they work. They work just fine. I'm just there's a part of me that wishes I could I could get like I I can't even get there, but I want to. But uh, before I just launch into a complaint about the inadequacies of the English language, tick 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 ten and two. Um. Okay, so we have nothing really groundbreaking in this arc, but I am going to bring up one thing, um, because it was something you had originally brought up in favor of Ten and Two, you know, that Gates's watch is digital, perhaps as a successor to Sogo's analog watch. 
as you know as they henshin and have the backdrop and so too is all watch iconography in relation to the new alternate was and he in his arrival has has proclaimed his loyalty to gates and i just thought that was a really interesting tie together and ten and two or not, it's some nice foreshadowing of just where Hat Waz's allegiance falls. Yeah, that's that's a good call, and I I confess I was too busy focusing on some of the ways that the Waz driver relates back to Xade in function to really notice that, and I feel very dumb now because yeah, that's real uh, that's real obvious, especially since I get the impression of a digital watch, like, it's not just a digital watch, it is, like, a smart watch that just has a projected image of an analog watch on its face. Like, it's it's just an image of the analog watch, and I just think that's that's really clever. Also, and, okay, this is pure theory, and it's just on my mind, and I'm not entirely sure if it's 10 and 2 related, but I'm just gonna go because I'm like that. I, I can expand on it if we like, but I'm not entirely sure that Gates is still alive in Waz's future the way... in Hat Waz's future, the way Sogo is alive in Scarf Waz's future. Because I just dig on the idea that Gates held on just long enough before getting erased from the timeline to meet Waz and that everything else that Hat Waz is doing is going to be some kind of deception, or he's up to some stuff, because his whole thing is too much of an inversion of Scarf Waz for me to entirely t trust him. Because it's not, ah, uh, yes, I am the faithful reta retainer of my lord. It's, yes, I'm the guy who loves my savior. Instead, like, in instead of, you know, they call him white instead of black, even though, again previously stated, but mostly it's that Scarf Waz reads from a book, and Hat Waz is writing a book. He's writing a book about a savior that he is evangelizing to people about, and that doesn't mean a lot of good things for the people being ev evangelized about, because if they're alive to speak their own words, you don't need a pope, you know? And, and yet, also, I just... To bring it back to more solidly 10 and 2 stuff, there is some solid 10 and 2 imagery sticking around on him that at least implies some continuity in the lineage, because he's got the 10 and 2 thing that's just been kind of abstracted further and melded with the IO or on-off symbol, and I mean, that's very stylish, and I don't know what it means, but it makes me wonder if there's like... It's going to be messed up if it turns out... No, he can't turn out to be a third generation. But the technology could. I don't know. There's some weird stuff going on. Uh, Hat Waz is a Pandora's box of just horrors and possibility, and I like it. Anyway, um, let's move on to the things we don't like in these episodes, just to get it out of the way, because you hate, you hate having to bring up that stuff in the middle of the good stuff. Okay, so Toei has an incredibly ambitious outlook on where technology is going to be three years from now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like floating screens and holograms. And look, if we're still doing this show in three years and I'm wrong, I'll admit to it. But oh, yeah. it's I get 
that they want to show that like Sogo has is seeing a future and not the year that he's in. But Toei, like you put 2022 on everything anyway. Like he has a conversation with his uncle about it, how it's 2022. I promise the kids will get what you're going for. They're 10. They can count. Ten year, I promise you, ten year olds can count into the twenties. Yeah, if well, and even if they couldn't, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying, like, even if uh, at school, if it's anything like it is in the states, you got to write the date at the top of your paper every day. They're they're gonna notice, and the way they did it just felt very like. It's like if they would do flashbacks to 2010 and they'd put it in, like, sepia tone. Like, ah, oh, yes, in the far, far back age of 2010. And, like, just just play some old, like, uh, what is the player piano music, like, from a Western? Oh, some old, some old like, ragtime music. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, oh, yes, that far away age. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the Back to the Future Part 2 feel of it, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't it's know if quite it was silly. just an excuse to like have 2022 on screen in that wide shot, but yeah, it's like it, part just, of it. But it's just like Toei, the three years is not going to bring that. It's and if it does, we'll eat our hats. If, you know, if we'll, it, we'll eat our words. I don't know have. If it, I have plenty of hats. Like, look, if I'm wrong, in three years we'll talk about it. But I don't think that was necessary. Also, I hate the Shinobi Henshin. I hate it. I like Rentaro enough. The suit is fine, but there's so much going on in that transformation. With he's got to pour the belt out of the bottle, and he's got the the shuriken thing, and then there's this swirly ribbon, and then a robot that's also a frog, and it barfs the suit onto him. Like for a guy who's here for like ten minutes total. It all feels really unnecessary. Just pick one of those things. Yeah. No, but seriously, though, what is up with that robot frog? I don't, frogs are like some kind of ninja thing. Yeah, but it it just weirds me out. It's just, I just but it, there's so many things going on there. I I think the nicest thing I can say is that I wonder if it's not meant to be read as like a parody of how long modern henshin calls can be. You know, with all the effects and the the catchphrases and the the belt yelling things. I mean, I'm not saying that if it was meant to be parody that they landed it, because, but it that would be one way to make it feel more bearable if we were ever going to see this guy again. Which I kind of hope we do by the very end of the show, because it'd be kind of cool to have like a, a last thing with all of their weird friends who don't exist, or maybe they do because fractured timelines are complicated. Also, I feel like if Sogo had a dream about the future, and there's like a brand new Kamen Rider that, from the future that Tsukuyomi and Gates don't know about, and he tells them, I feel like he, the two of them probably should have been more suspicious of that. I mean, I guess that early in the episode, they didn't realize that, like, a fully divergent timeline was occurring, so, you know, future writers are just not a thing that seemed possible to them. But still, like, he had a dream about three years in the future, and there's a common writer that they've never heard of. That's, you know, that's that's a little weird. Maybe ask some more questions about that. Yeah, 
I mean, especially since the last time you talked about having a prophetic dream that was about those giant robots who dis- disappeared. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. But it is it is reason enough to, like, ask a few questions, be a little more cautious, because, hey, he's starting to get prophetic dreams, and that's a thing you should probably pay attention to, you know? Yeah, a little bit. They're, they're a bit intense. Although I have to say, I just now realized that that implies that if that is indeed the future where Gates was the, the savior of the world, Gates lets, lets Sogo live. So that's nice. I mean, maybe, but also, like, Hatlaws seems to make it very... Seem, makes it at least sound like he didn't. Which, curious. Of course, I do think Hatwaz, again... I do like the idea that Hat Was is making uh, fan fiction out of history. That is which, something that he would do. Yeah, like I will say, like I'm not, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on anyone's faith. This is not me insulting anyone. This is not me like laughing. This is not like, oh, I know better because I, <laughs> I'm just a jerk with a microphone. The history of the Bible as a document is fascinating. Go. Just go learn about it, because there's a lot of there's enough stuff going on in there where it feels like there were some people doing some hat was. I'm not saying everything. I'm not saying that that would make it not real or good or uh, everyone likes saying valid. It's like I'm not insulting anyone. I, like I'm not meaning to cast aspersions on anyone's faith, but the history of the Bible as a document and the entire field of research that goes into it is fascinating and uh i I have to say i'm very happy for hat was for really activating that part of my brain every time he shows up because that's what he doing (laughs) he he wants he wants to be gates pope and it would not surprise me if he was like yeah it'd be really dramatic if gates freaking bought it after he named me his pope (laughs) power 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 like uh, like a borgia Man, if Hat Was is a Borgia, that'd be amazing. Uh, the the Borgia family and uh, rich people, and I forget like the time span. In Italy, they 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 pulled some stuff. If you like, if you don't know the Borgias, go look up the Borgias and uh, trigger warning for them because they were uh, what's what's the nice way to say it? Bad. They were bad. They were not good. Hashtag problematic. Yeah, that's <laughs> to say the least. So in eighteen, why do we have to flash back to the entire scene where Ur contact contracts Rentero? Like the entire flashback is fifty seconds long. It's nearly a full minute of time that this episode just pours filler into by showing us an entire scene from literally the previous episode. Yeah, that's it's lazy, and it's bad, and the editor should get in some kind of trouble for it unless there was a bunch of stuff they were ordered to cut. In which case, I get it. But still, it's weird. It's like 50 seconds. Yeah. It's a long and like, time. That, it doesn't sound like a lot when we're just saying it, but they have 22 minutes, and that is one of those minutes gone, and I don't know how many of y'all have ever tried to like script, like, have you if you've done storyboarding, or in my case, tried to, like, script out a comic book. You need every second. But anyway, yeah, sorry, let's move on. I'm, I'm getting very 
tangential tonight. I'm very sorry. Um, I'm not sure why we needed the slow motion when Sogo arrived at the fight where, like, Swartz and Hatwaz are, like, snarking at each other over whether or not he'll come. Because it's not a surprise to us. Like, ten seconds before that, we see Sogo being like, I'm gonna go. Like, Scarfwaz tries to talk him out of it, and he's like, nah, but I'm gonna go. It's like, it's not a surprise. You don't need to do the, like, dramatic slow motion. Yeah, and on top of that, even if we hadn't seen him go, uh, the name of the show is that dude. (laughs) Hey, do you think the main character will show up for this dramatic and important moment? I know that maybe we don't expect 10-year-olds to be that genre-savvy, but look, 10-year-olds are going to be that genre-savvy. It's like, who Otherwise, else is going to Otherwise, they're going to stop watching. Up? Yeah. Like, I, Gates might, but it's... They were off doing something else. They were That's off true, trying yeah. to be in the time stream, and it didn't work. Yeah, because they're from a different thing or something. It, you, like, can't travel to timelines you're not from or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, whatever. I don't know. My, my... Wait, I just realized, does that mean at some point we're gonna meet baby Waz? I hope we meet like, five or six year old Waz just hanging out. Cause he's unstuck in time, so I don't think he ages the same as everyone else. It doesn't seem like it. Not to mention, like, didn't he say he was there when Gates and and Zio threw down? I think so. Cause like, he's my savior, so yeah. At some point, we kind of have to see Baby Waz. I want to see Baby Waz, oh my god. And if not Baby Waz, then I guess a third Waz. But we'll we'll get to that later. But speaking of Hat Waz, my biggest problem with this episode, and I guess Hat Waz in general, is that I don't really understand all of the pretense. Like, why does he have to do any of the things that happen in these two episodes when literally the the end of the episode he just writes in the book and now I have the watch I want <laughs> like why couldn't he have done that at any time it doesn't seem cause like did did Shinobi have to be beaten a certain amount of times like he was did he just have to like not keep turning into another shinobi i don't understand i guess guess that would make sense because at that point he he is firmly going to become shinobi and therefore shinobi can exist but he already knows he exists yeah like time travel it's i i don't know it's just why can't he just do that at the beginning i think the only thing i can think of is that Maybe he has to, because to, he is writing a story, so he has to have some kind of verisimilitude for it to work. Because if he just, like, rolled up, yes, there was another shinobi, and then I got the thing I needed and I beat him. Like, I'm not saying that you're, that, like, you're wrong about the point, because, like, it is silly. I'm, I'm trying to help the show out, but boy, this is one of those things where it's a shame they dropped all the point fives in it. Yeah, it's just like... They could have explained how his stuff works. When he first showed up, he's like, what if I just say that I the, the, this new Waz just kills Sogo? And, yeah. like, he's, he says, why don't I just do that? And I guess the only thing stopping him is that he wants Gates to do it. But, like, introducing a power like this 
that doesn't have any obvious limit, especially in an antagonist, like, that's such a game-breaker. I feel like the only limit that we have right now is he can only write one sentence at a time. But even that is not a whole lot, because again, he could just write, and then Waz killed Sogo. Yep. He was going to hit Waz. He missed. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like, it's it's the most power-gaming, like, junk, where it's it's just that, like, three-year-old thing of, like, you're playing superheroes, like, I punch you, and it's like, no, you don't. No, you didn't. Like, Scarfwaz has a record of the future. He can give insights into events and kind of point Sogo in the direction he wants him to go in order to get the powers that he wants Sogo to have. But he's got no influence over anything. He can't make Sogo do anything. Which is the entire point of the last, like, four episodes. Yeah. Is that he literally can't force Sogo to do the things he wants him to do. Like, back in 17, Hatwaz forces everyone into one place. All four of them and the another rider. He forces them. He outright says they all end up at that warehouse by his design. What is stopping him from doing literally anything? At all? Why? What is stopping him from right now just writing in the book and then Gates killed Sogo? Like, they got in a fight, and Gates won. Like, the only thing I like, or at least find interesting about Hatwaz, is that even though he's from the, the air quotes good timeline, where, you know, there's not an evil overlord, he's pretty clearly the more maliciously evil of the two. Oh, by, yeah. And I mean, like, yeah. Scarfwaz is not, again, air quotes, good. But he is, at his worst complicit in evil, which is bad, and you should not be. But Hatwaz spends these two episodes actively trying to murder children for his own gain. Yeah, that's... that. that is... it is a different thing. Because <laughs> letting a terrible thing happen, results-wise, real bad. And, like you said, this is these are different kinds. But going out and like, hey, what's up? I'm gonna make some kids get stab-murdered. I'm gonna make- I wanna watch it happen after I make it happen. Like, the the whole bit where he's repeatedly forcing Ur to be nearly killed via getting hit by a car like he's an animal for information that Ur doesn't even have? That was upsetting! Yeah, you ain't kidding. I mean, like, there was- I was already- Okay, I'm not on the Time Jacker's side- <laughs> But I appreciate that Hatwaz is there to give me someone for, so that I can root for the Time Jackers, at least in the context of, I hope they punch Hatwaz in the kidneys forever. Like, the, the degree to which, like, he just kept forcing time to be unstopped and putting the car directly in front of Ur, where he's, there's no chance of him escaping. There's nothing he can do to fight back. That was horrifying, and again, it's such a power gaming, yeah. like, it, it's it's awful. And then he immediately, like, forces Sogo to, like, throw himself down some stairs, which admittedly, like, is just a thing Sogo will do on his own. You don't even need to step in for that. It, yeah. Like, he's done it already. You don't 
but like and he's he does the whole whirlwind thing where like these big metal things come flying at him and he's fine with Sukiyomi getting caught in the crossfire even though she's objectively as him being was and therefore someone who had a good relationship with Sukiyomi and two that she's very close with Gates and seems to be Gates's only friend like he should probably not be okay with her potentially getting dead as he's trying to mess with Zio. Yeah, no, especially since, hey, guess what? Gates is gonna beat Zio anyway. It's already going to have happened. Why, why are you worried, bro? Like, as much as I love Waz, and this new one has a very cute outfit, I really love That's very true. that costume design. And his presence opens some really interesting doors for the narrative, I'm in a weird place as far as how his mechanics work, and I don't think that I like it. No, no, I, I get that, because, I mean, look, I know that powers fluctuating with the needs of the narrative is a pretty common thing inside this, this stratum of media, but uh, that's usually a power reserved for the heroes, or, and this is going to be the one that's going to be really frustrating, means that the villain will get depowered later on, and that's not very satisfying, is it? Because I, God-moding Waz is very frustrating, but you can't, like, if he's around later, he won't be God-moding power gaming Waz, so why will he still be around? But if you kill him, that's also very, like, not satisfying either. Or maybe it will be, I don't know, but in, in theory, it just, it grates. But having talked about the things that that great, uh, you want to jump into some good stuff, because I feel like there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, so I do love how excited is how excited Sogo is in the dream, like watching Shinobi just do his thing. Because as far as he's aware, he's just been flung three years into the future with no explanation, and instead of worrying about that, he's just like, "Oh, hey, look at this cool ninja." And look, not for nothing, he is a pretty cool ninja. Much cooler than most of the ninjas. sorry. It's just true. Just a shame that he's a potential writer, because I love the concept and, and would love to see how it's executed for reals, though. But it's, it's just the fact that he's told, like, oh, hey, those robots, they wanted to, like, kill us in a month. Um... And he's like, oh, it's three years later, and I'm not worried about any of this. I want to talk to this cool ninja. Hey, you know, everything's... That's true. He's not even thinking, hey, somehow the world isn't ended, and I'm not Satan. Cool. I do, like, if he's going to keep having those flash forwards, I do want a bit of, oh, hey, cool. Giant robots? No. Me as Satan? No. Yeah, I'm okay with this. Let's do this. Let's have this be the way. I mean, I know he's, he still wants to be, he still can't wait to be king, but uh, he was also just, like, waking up being like, nah, I'm okay just being some dude. I'd be okay with that. Really, like, Rentaro is fine. He seems like a neat guy, and I expected to be much more biased against him because of my feelings about Star Ninja and how they are generally negative, but he's, he's fine. I guess maybe because I never actually watched any episodes with Star Ninja. <laughs> I maybe I'm just mentally separated enough that I could kind of engage him on his own terms. 
but he's he's fine. He's good. It's fine. It's fine. I I will say that while fine is a very apt description, I'm not going to fight you on it because he's fine. You know, because the only way I could really make him more interesting is like, okay, that dude he rolls with when he gets beat up by the Tufts, that's his boyfriend. There. Now he's way more interesting. But still, without the headcanon, it's just it's fine. But I, I will say, I do want to give the actor some props, though, because if I did not know he was Star Ninja, I, I honestly don't think I would have imagined it was him, because he's got almost none of the same body language going on. He does feel like an entirely different character played by an entirely different actor, and look, that's a pretty good trick for an actor to pull. So, you know, that was nice to see. Like, it's a shame he probably won't be sticking around, because I kind of, I like the actor, and I would have liked to see how that character grew. So I probably shouldn't be so endeared by how patronizing Swartz is of Ur. But the fact that when he does these things that show that he views Ur as a child, it's never, like, malicious or looking down on him. It's always some action that would be supportive were it coming from, like, a child's parents or other adult that's, you know, like a teacher or some good adult influence in their life. And that's kind of charming to me. Like, he's just, he's trying, he knows Ur is a child and he's trying to, like, show that he respects and cares about him, but he has no concept of how to emotionally engage with a child. Which, like, yeah, I think charming is the right word. Because however you want to view the dynamics between the time jackers, they kind of end up as a weird family thing going on. And I'm I'm happy that we're taking time to dig into that some more. I, I do hope Aura gets a few more bits later on now that she's not just rolling around with Decade at his office. But like, yeah, I, I this is kind of a Swartz and Ur focus, so I'm not going to make a thing out of it, but I just... I do want to see more stuff between the Time Jackers generally, because I actually think they're one of my favorite batches of baddies in a while. I mean, I, I say that, but as I say that, I remember X8. That wasn't so long ago. Yeah. Wow, that really was only two shows ago. Yeah. Man, build. Yeah. Like, I, look, I like Evil, but he's not, he's not a great villain. He's, he was at first, when he was just... Hey, what's up? I'm your dad, and I betrayed you! That was so good. But then he turned out to be an evil alien possessing, and I'm like, aw, that's way less cool. Aw. I do love that Laws just comes over for breakfast now. Yeah! You know, he can come over, get some breakfast, pick up his clocks that he's definitely just, like, grabbing out of a dumpster as an excuse to come over. Um, and also that everyone can, like, run into the room and scream at him about, like, how dare you work with the Time Jackers. And Sogo's uncle is right there. And he's just like, nah, he brought me a clock, so I'm sure, like, whatever this is, he had a he had a good reason for doing, I don't know, whatever you're angry about. I just, I still like to think that this is his his weird kind of tithe, or the way him and uncle bonded back when he was still learning how to be the Overlord's Majordomo. Because, like, there's rules for these sorts of, of engagements with people that go beyond, like, anything written down. I should have put this in 10 and 2, but it's not 
evidence. I just, in my head, it just seems like in the future, him and the old man will have some kind of respectful, maybe not father-son, but like mentor-apprentice relationship. And I just, I feel like that's what that's about. At least it gives me that feeling based on nothing at all. So I think the clock thing is very powerful and important, and I like it. Yeah. Well, I am interested in the fact that, you know, when when Gates is jumping all over him, Tsukiyomi is the one to jump in and defend him and not Soga. Yeah. And how much in this arc we see just the two of them hanging out together on the sidelines while everyone else is fighting and just kind of, like, chatting about how weird this situation is. Because Tsukiyomi is still such a bizarre wild card. With her kind of loose, semi-friendly neutrality to Waz, and then the bit in the opening where she's on the stairs with the time jackers. Yeah. And I just, I can't quite parse what her deal is, or what I even want her deal to be, in the way that, you know, like, we've got ten and two for Gates. I've got no idea what's going on with her, and I'm kind of fascinated by it. Because I know Same. she has... It's not like Hana, where I just spent the whole time being like, she's just a girl on the train. Like, I know there's something going on with Tsukiyomi. I just... I can't fathom what it is. Yeah, no, they've they've definitely got some stuff going. Because the more we go in, as as you're saying, like the, the characterization shows a lot of things that, given what we know, don't entirely make sense. Like, she's this weird combination of of an ignorant commoner. Now, that's not a pejorative mind, that's just, you know, she doesn't know things because the future that is Zio does not require her to know things. She's this hardcore fighter for the rebellion. She put the the Fies phone 10 up to the heads of the guards, and you know she's killed a couple. We haven't seen it on screen, but she definitely has murdered a couple of those night guys. But And she's also a survivor, and on top of all that stuff that should make her hard as rocks, by conventional narrative logic. She's also this really strong idealist, and her being able to chill with this guy, who has probably caused a fair amount of mayhem for her people, even in this weird, slightly altered and not entirely settled timeline, that says some stuff about her that is really interesting. And and like you said... Combine that with the bit where she's with the time jackers in the opening, and I don't know. I'm I'm hoping she becomes the heir at some point, and thus a faction unto herself, the way Sogo and Gates are. Just I don't know. I want her to be a power all her own. I think she deserves it, and I think it'd be nice if one lady in a writer series in the modern era could have that happen. Thank you. But but like speaking of time jackers, Hat was playing God with that car, and trying to run down Ur. Like, as we mentioned, malicious as hell, and not a little disturbing. But also, I, I'm mentioning it again here, because it was scary for me in a way that worked, and it was it was a powerful and f- affecting scene. And also... I kind of appreciate having Ur being tormented in much the same way he tormented another Builds host back in episode one. Admittedly, it's a much more intense version of the set of that, but I don't know. It's in a weird way, it's just desserts, and I wouldn't mind if every arc is 
where we establish a new villain by having them basically throw a car at someone. That's it's it's a weird and intense and very visceral thing because I've gone over the hood of a car. I I don't really remember it because unconsciousness is a blessed thing, but uh, getting hit by a car is visceral in a way being exploded by a common rider or eaten by a monster just kind of isn't. That's It is such a weird gut-level way to establish, hey, this guy is a threat. And also, like, I appreciate that they did it in a way that, okay, yes, it is very godmody. It is very, like, kids playing with the rules. But also it's a good way to establish that this scary godchild is freaked out now. Because I can be scared for Ur, which is nice. Because it, because on the one hand, it's nice because I get to have feelings for this, you know, sympathy for this kid, and also humanizes them in perhaps not the most, uh, in the nicest light by sort of pointing out that, oh yeah, they're happy to laugh and toy with the lives of people who can't stop them, but when the shoe's on the other foot, they react just like everyone else. Which, like, look, not for nothing, that's a thing I think everyone should keep in mind. Because it's real easy to be like, you should be calm and rational at all times when you're the one, like, kicking the crap out of someone. When someone is kicking you in the face, I imagine, like, I think that's a very bad thing you're doing. It's not the thing that works. It's, it's a very well-written scene. Yes. It's just, yeah. it's so... It made me so unhappy to watch. Oh, no, yeah, look, I'm not saying I, like, enjoyed it. To say I enjoyed it would be the wrong thing, but boy, I appreciated it. it is, it's incredibly well done on every level. But, of course, that's why it goes in the bad part, because, ah, no, <laughs> made, stop. Made me feel the things. Yeah, which, like, look, I'm not, I'm not gonna... I'm I not felt gonna... the things it wanted me to feel. Yeah, yeah, which is, like, that's why I have it here, I appreciate it, but also those are very bad things to feel. <laughs> They're not pleasant. I desperately want to see hat walls and scarf walls throw down, though. Hell, yes you do! Like, Honestly, we, got, we got, like, such a taste of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I want to see more. Let's, let's see these two timelines battle for existence through these weird proxies, Especially now that we know that one of them has a magic scarf. I am so mad I didn't realize this before. Oh, he's he's done it before. Yeah, but I never really thought about it. Oh, see, now I've he's... had I've had thoughts about the scarf and the fact that uh, Hatwaz does not have a scarf. I feel like it was given to him by Omazeo, and I have I... canons that go deeper than that. But the fact that Hatwaz does not have it would strongly imply that it's something that he was given by Omazeo. I, I think that tracks. <gasps> okay, I'm gonna get real D&D for a second. Real sorry, y'all. The, the kid, the dude's got, like, a psychic link with a rug of smothering. It, well, it's more than that. It's clearly got a bunch of other magic, but he's got, he's got a rug of smothering familiar. That's a, that's a thing I'm gonna put into a character sometime. That's amazing. It's just, it's, it's something that was given to him by Omazeo that, like, he used the wizard watch to enchant. And that was why, like, he was so 
like he's like you got to get the wizard watch you you can't be wasting your time hanging out watching this magic show hanging out with gates just you got to get this watch cuz it's like it's such a like connection to him oh i like that i mean not to mention um, I mean, like it, look the headcanon goes you... a couple of steps further but nothing nothing that is actually anything that would possibly be confirmed in canon yeah but also i'm just like on top of, hey, you enchanted this this scarf, so this helps solidify my timeline's existence. There's also the thing of, if you want to be an evil ruler, or just a ruler anyway, and you have the option to just get magic for free, that's the thing you do. That's, I mean, like, look, magic for free usually comes at a cost. This one doesn't. You get that stuff. You're stealing someone else's effort. That's the way to go. And props to Watanabe Keisuke for, like, the absolute skill in playing two separate versions of the same person. Yeah. Like, because it's, it's Waz. A Waz is a Waz, as he says. But there's this really strong degree of nuance that differentiates them. Like, Scarf Waz is manic and chaotic and this hype man who just wears his heart on his sleeve and throws himself head first into just drowning in how much he loves his overlord. And we start seeing him worried and afraid and confused and concerned. And he shows all that without a whole lot of thought to, you know, Tsukuyomi and Gates, who are ostensibly his enemies. And he just puts that right out there in front of them. He's he can't conceal any of that. He's never had to not feel what he feels. But Hatwaz has a much darker energy. His mania feels forced. Like he's performing a version of his other's personality because that's what Gates knows and would be most like relaxed seeing like specifically the thing that gets me and the thing that i noticed and the thing that made him feel very is that if anyone's looking at him if he's being watched when he's interacting with someone he's almost always talking through his teeth especially when he's not getting what he wants he's most visibly doing it at the end of 18 when gates turns down the shinobi watch but really, like, any time that he's talking to someone that he doesn't like, unless he's mocking them, he's doing it. And then, like, the only time that we see him get super serious about how angry he is, is when Ur's back is to him. Boy, that's a good catch. I'd not, I'd not noticed the talking through his teeth, or arguably lying through his teeth, but I agree with your interpretation overall, because he is... He is intense in a way that only a supervillain is, and I love it. Because, I mean, Waz is many things, uh, Scarf Waz is many things, but he's not really a supervillain. He's not there to monologue, he's not there to rule, he's not there to let you know how much you suck. He's just no, there to let you know how great his boss is. Yeah, and, like, he's he's not trying to do anything. But Hat Waz is definitely like, what's up? I will cut you. Like, 
that's it. That's him being chill. Like, haha, hey, what's up? Do what I say, or I'll cut out your spleen. Okay, okay. Um, did he just threaten to cut out my spleen? <laughs> you better believe I did. No, do it. Like, he's got that kind of, um, like the Frank Gorshin Riddler or the Mark Hamill Joker. Just very, very mercurial, but in a way that is, that implies danger. And, uh, I'm, I'm here for it. Waz's mania feels very benign because, again, at his worst, he's complicit in evil. He's just, he's complicit. He's like, this is gonna happen, and it's just, the my overlord's gonna do it, and I'm here for that. Where Hat was, his mania feels so performed. Where he's like, I'm, I'm going to be this because that will, you'll drop your guard because that was doesn't do anything. Yeah, that was sucks. I'm the good was, the effective was, the was who gets things done. I mean, literally, it's in his, it's, it is his superpower. He's the was who makes things happen, like literally. It's it's just such a thing. I'm gonna be keeping an eye on on him doing the teeth thing from now on. That's such a good call, dude. Such a good catch. It, it's a really interesting bit of acting, and to have that nuance put in, like that's some skill. Like that is that is like sitting down with the writer or directors or whoever, or maybe just with himself. I don't know, but just working out why these people are the way they are. Like. He's from a totally different time where certain things didn't happen. He says, sound like, that would change a person. How would that change Waz? Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure that out. This is, this is the thing where I really hope that it turns out that there is, there is like a multiple Shinkenger thing where like the writer has just pulled everyone aside and said, Hey, here's your secret. Except for Sogo, because Sogo doesn't have a secret. Sogo is a... He's a sweet, dumb boy. Who I like now, because he actually, like, does stuff. He's got some nuance going. Um, yeah. And like I mentioned at the top, I really do, speaking of Sogo, I love the bit where he just gets real meta and is like, we gotta label the Wazes. <laughs> and then Waz being like, really, you're gonna call us Black Waz and White Waz? Like, we're goats. Like, you have the Black Goat and the White Goat, and that's how you're naming us. Like, the poor guy is going through so much. Like, he's, he's so mellow and melancholy in this episode, which again is a side of him that we haven't seen, and his lack of control over the situation, which is a thing he hasn't had until this other Waz has shown up, like, it's thrown him into this state where he, he doesn't know what to do, and again, just hats off to Watanabe Keisuke for giving off that tone so consistently and convincingly in these episodes. Truth truth because i mean look for all the aforementioned stuff about being unsure about the mechanics of hat was his narrative role is already so amazing because he is bringing out so many things about both the core themes of the show and the characters themselves like starting with uh scarf was because look you ain't kidding he is playing the hell out of scarf was existential crisis and it is working so well for me i respond very well to it like just that bit where you know Sogo's gonna go and like he's gonna go to to where the fight is and Waz is like you know this is a trap you can't go you can't keep interacting with this you're gonna screw up your whole timeline what would we do if that happened like 
he he looks like he's gonna cry, but that he doesn't really know how to cry because he's never done it. He's never had to. He's been he's been on Omazio's good side. You have a good time if you're a member of the ruling class, yo. Yeah, it's like he doesn't really know how to cry, and he doesn't really know what the emotion he's having is, but he's definitely having it. Yes, he is. Also, I feel really bad for Ur the way that he kind of panics upon seeing Scarflaws, since the other one literally tried to murder him the last time he saw a Waz. I mean, little things, right? Though, I don't know why he has to be like, which one are you? Because they, they don't dress the same. <laughs> Their costumes are not even close. He's probably just making sure that Hat Waz wasn't going to try and, and like put on a disguise and fool him, because he, he only just has to change clothes. That he is... looks eggs. That's fair. Yeah, like he doesn't even have to loop in the third that. He just looks exactly like that other guy. Though, you know, we, we talked a bit about Sogo, and I do appreciate that we're starting to see him tip from that kind of weird, scary, true neutral that he's been into, at bare minimum, neutral good, with, you know, he, in in that scene where Waz is telling him not to go, he's like, I can't just not help this guy because it'll be inconvenient for me later. Like, I gotta, I gotta help him. That's what a good overlord does, that's what a good person does. Like, that's such a common Rider sentiment, and I'm glad that his, his resolve in that last arc does seem to have stuck and shifted his alignment a bit. Mm, goodness, yes. Because, like, look, I get what they were going for and before, and, and I've, ta- I've had that rant, and I, I like what they're doing with him now, because they're, they're working with the, the heavy hangs the head which bears the crown sort of stuff. But, dang, it's just such a sea change with the way he acts now compared to when we first saw him in the show. It's... Like, I shouldn't call it a sea change, because it is very subtle, but also it's completely unmistakable. I mean, just how we saw him four episodes ago is almost a completely different character. And I, again, I gotta give hats, I gotta give props to that kid. Because Kid Playing Sogo, I I wasn't sure if he was uncharismatic or if it was choices, and I'm impressed as heck that it was a choice. I just really wish they'd give him, like, some pants that were pants, though. Yeah, he's... He he's still doesn't a... know how to dress himself. I mean, you know, that that is where Shotaro started, so maybe he'll... I'm pretty sure that one of his pairs of pants might actually be the, like, Shotaro Begins Night Pants. I mean, they, they could be. I'm just like, ugh, someone just teach this boy how to dress. I realize that they're probably going to do a thing, like, with... Uh, Oh, what, who is Gatak? What was Gatak's name? In oh, Kagami. Kabuto. Kagami, yeah. Because Kagami, they do that. At the start of the show, he doesn't know how to dress himself. All his suits are too big. He looks like just a child in wearing his dad's suits. But by the end of it, like, oh no, everybody's crazy about this sharp-dressed man. Because, I mean, Kagami, er, like, I know it's hard to talk about anyone in Kabuto being attractive who's not the dude playing Tendo. Because, <laughs> my god! <laughs> it, it, there are a lot of good-looking people in Kabuto, though. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good-looking people in Kamen Rider generally, but but look. <laughs> Especially once you find out that the guy playing Tendo is, like, 
a multilingual polymath, maybe not mega genius, but he's he's accomplished a lot of things that are darned impressive. <laughs> anyway, we should probably get back to this show, yeah. but um, yeah, man, back, back you, to Sogo. If y'all haven't watched Kabuto, it is a wild ride. <laughs> it absolutely is. But give it a shot. It's a it's it's, it's, it's it good though. It's fun. One. It's fun time. Uh, but the the sentiment that Sogo exp- expresses to Rentero is actually really beautiful and says a lot about the change in Sogo and how it's stuck. Yeah, it do. Because, you know, he walks up to Rentero and is like, you can either use this corrupted version of yourself out of fear and risk hurting people who don't deserve to be hurt, or you can believe in the you that's coming who is a real common rider and is the rider you are meant to be and just wait until he can fight for others properly. Just as Sogo believes in the rider that he wants to become over kind of the corrupt version of himself. And I appreciate that, you know, part of the... Ca- I appreciate that part of the catalyst for Rentro being like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do is how much it hurts to have that watch repeatedly ripped out of his chest and then shoved back in. And he's like, hey, you know what? You know what? I'm not strong enough to deal with this. What if we just stop? I mean, look, I gotta imagine not having someone shoving their hand directly into your chest. You know, your chest, where you keep all of those incredibly sensitive and useful organs. And then, like, depositing a quasi-corporeal magic timepiece into it? That just... I bet that certainly did not hurt in making that call. But also, I do want to say that, as as you were saying that, boy, now that kid, uh, Rentero, right? He is an old-school common Rider now, once he becomes actual Shinobi. Because he's been a monster, and he took that power and put it aside in the name of being a man. And so now when he picks up the new power, that is the old power, when he becomes the monster again, he is instead a common rider. And I have to say that's actually a beautiful twist on the classic formula. And uh I just I just want to throw that out. They they're doing some good stuff in this show. There's there's definitely some very interesting writing that keeps happening. Yeah. And I really love the scene of Sogo and Waz on the bridge, where Waz is just kind of like, it's us against the world, baby. (laughs) Even though they're, like, it's not, he's like, it's, you and me are the only ones that want the future that was already happening, which isn't exactly true. No, it's not even remotely true. (laughs) Like, you definitely both want Sogo to be king, but you definitely want two different futures. Though I stand by that, you know, Waz doesn't care what kind of king Sogo becomes, he just wants him to be king. Like, he, the only, I, I, I'm with that because he's not trying to force him to be Omazeo now. It's just, hey, what's up? I want you to go and do the things which I know will make you Omazeo, because that's how you do it. That's how it is written. So, you know, Kid is going off script, but he's handling it pretty well, isn't he? Yeah, like, he's, he never seems to be, like, the only, like, he, yeah, he did go and work with the Time Jackers, but that was when he was like, this will stop you from being any kind of king, so I gotta get you back on track. I might be wrong, but 
that's what I feel in my heart, and I'm gonna go with it. Yeah, I'm I'm with it. Because, like, even though Sogo is carving into this alternate future and acting against Waz's advice, Waz still stands with him and the future that he's aiming for, even if it's not quite the Omazeo future. And I'm just sort of into how committed he is in spite of, you know, this existential crisis that he's having. And, you know, besides, better the Devil King you know and all that, right? Yeah. Um, And I think that's most of our our big thoughts for the episodes, yeah? Uh, yeah. Alright, then let's get into some hypotheses, because this week, this episode, we actually got some. For for once, but first, bring back Kamen Rider Aqua, you cowards! (laughs) You made the suit, he's from the future, Atsushi Arai is still acting, but not in so many things that it would be impossible to get him for a couple of days to do, like, an arc. Bring back Kamen Rider Aqua, you cowards! Absolute cowards. Like, look, he'd be a great way to bridge the future writers with the writer history that we already know about. Because O's, at least, still kind of, sort of happened in a way even if it didn't entirely accept that it did time travel but he does exist which means that O's Forza still in some way happened which means it wouldn't be that hard to justify because if O's Forza happened Aqua happened and And I hope at the very least they put him in the movie in movie War Megamax when you see the flash back forward whatever to Aqua explaining who he is, and you see him fighting some monsters in the future, those are undead from Blade. Those are the suits they used. And, you know, it's just like, those are suits we had laying around. They're in, they're in like, mostly the Shadow. dark. No one's gonna tell. No one's gonna be able to tell. But now you've got, like, this whole thing built up where he could just be fighting undead, because why not? Um, Shinobi Shinobi was fighting the mooks from Forze. That's what I thought. I thought those were Dustards, they just took off the wig. Well, they were the ninja ones. Oh, right, yeah. There was ninja ones that happened for, like, a hot minute. So, like, just bring back Aqua, you cowards! (laughs) Also, um, this is less to do with Aqua or, or the fact that they're all cowards. I just want to throw out a hope, and it's stupid. But I hope that Hat Waz's hat will at some point pull some sort of thing like Scarf Waz's scarf, like become a shield or something. Or honestly, I kind of hope that's just where he pull. That's where he stores the the book. It's a hat of holding. I would love for the hat and the scarf to be like these opposites, like the the unstoppable sword and the unbreakable shield. Yeah, exactly. It's just oh, okay, so you're. Your scarf projects out and binds things. My, my hat goes in and holds things, and I can pull things out of it. Like what? Like this rabbit? And this line of scarves? Or this gun? <laughs> Come on, you wouldn't love to see that. Oh, I would, I would love that. Um, my favorite moment in Bokenger is where like the evil stepsister from Cinderella is like, I can bring things from the outside dimension, and just holds up the gun. That is the height of comedy to me. I'm, look, I'm with you. 
But as for the real theories, because for the first time in like a billion years we actually have one, I made a joke after watching this episode that we've gone full Zelda timeline with Zeo, which, as people who are familiar with the Zelda timeline will be aware, after Ocarina of Time, it splits not into two timelines, but into three. The two we have confirmed are the Oma Zeo timeline, where Sogo becomes the evil overlord, from which we get Skarkwaz, and what we could call the Gates timeline, where Gates kills Sogo before he can become Omazeo, and then we get Hatwaz. And I'd like to propose the third timeline, which I will call the Sukuyomi timeline, a timeline in which Sogo lives, but either doesn't become an overlord, or does, but doesn't become evil, and turns out to be the a good king, as he wants to, under Sukuyomi's guidance. And I hope that this timeline brings its own third Waz, who is loyal to Sukuyomi, who my friend has jokingly called Grey Waz, and who I'm going to call Cape Waz, because he should have a cool cape like Sukuyomi does. Yes, 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 yes. Especially since, like, look, Sukuyomi's cape, I couldn't pull it off, but that's a good cape. It's a good look, and such a very singular detail, and I hope that there's some sort of cool backstory for it. But honestly, though, like, you say that, and follow follow me, follow along with me here, it, it makes me think that when they evoked Nobunaga back in the O's arc, that might be intentional, especially since they also excised all the Warring State stuff from the Gaim episodes to the point, and, and having both of those things happen would imply to me that maybe Zeo is going to be our new Warring States story, where we could have the three pro protagonists all having their different visions of the future that they have to fight about through their proxies of their respective wazes. Which, I mean, I'd be for that. It would be so good. It really would, actually. I mean, it's not... I'm, I'm going to be terribly cynical here and say it's not going to happen because boy heaven forfend a woman be allowed to do a thing in these shows that is the one thing where I'm like this is unlikely because she's the girl but boy I still want it to happen but also like she's got that relationship with Waz yeah yeah let's and like let's I don't have... know give her a dude where she can do things by proxy via a dude yeah, that would be a way then, to get her to do anything. Look, she would be a woman having meaningful plot effect, and like a lot of women in the past years, they've they've got to do cool things, but they've not got to be plot drivers in the way that I'd want them to be. And I want I want Tsukiyomi to have this because they like they took away everything else. Give her this, and also and or no, and also let her shoot another one of those night assassin dudes in the face with her gun. Give me the shot from behind his head, and you can see her through this perfectly circular hole that she has made in his head with her gun. Not that I want a ton of gore in this children's show, but also I want there to be just a bit where it's... Well, like, we've oh, gotten yeah. that shot in a tokusatsu. That's true. 
then yeah, let her have that shot just so she can turn around to look at them and say, oh, I'm sorry, did you forget I was part of the Rebellion? We've had that shot this year in Lupin Ranger. That's true, yeah, yeah. Like, Kyrie has done literally that with Lupin Magnum. Yeah, so let, let Tsukiyomi shoot one of the evil night guys in the head and just have the moment of, oh, I'm sorry, are we not rebelling against these guys? Just, uh, yeah. I also want her to be, like, I don't know enough about the Warring States period, but I, I let's see, I suppose Gates is, like, I feel like, like, Sogo is like the Nobunaga, from what I understand. I feel like they could set Tsukiyomi up as the Tokugawa, because, like, they often portray him as, as, like, the one who made everyone just settle the heck down. <laughs> I should probably learn some more Warring States stuff before I start running my mouth, because someone who actually knows that stuff and is also listening to this is, like, Aleph. Aleph, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to throw my podcast listening device of choice across the room if you do not shut up about this so here's where i pivot and we'll go to the new suit roundup instead of me just showing every inch of my ignorance so new suit roundup okay common rider shinobi go all right honestly there's not a lot to say because we don't see it in action a ton and most of what we do see is computer effects that said like i did look up a couple still images and it's a perfectly fine extrapolation of a common rider as superhero and like hopefully the thing this is going to sound really mean and i do not mean this mean i really and legitimately hope common rider shinobi is someone's oc common rider that they thought of when they were kids and that they brought to screen now because they needed a future common rider who's only going to be there for a couple episodes and, it, and they're just like well whatever because i mean it's I hate to u- keep using this word for the for the character because I, I actually kind of like Rentero. I think he's he's got some good stuff going, but it's fine. It's just it's fine. It's it's honestly kind of charmless, and I feel like it's trying a bit too hard to run away from looking like a common rider. I couldn't tell you why exactly. I think that other than I feel like it's trying too hard to embody all the pop cultural ideas of the shadowy ninja uh, of shadowy ninja ninja uh, on a common rider template instead of being a common rider who is also a ninja which is a very weird distinction to draw i know and i hate being vague but that's 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 just how i feel on it cuz it's like it's fine and it works for what it's doing it's just not a great common rider suit yeah, like it's it's fine, I guess. Like it's fine. But it looks baggy. Like I don't know if that's all the like faux wrapping around like the arms and the legs and all that, or the way that the scarf sits, or just like the armor placement. But it just it looks ill fitting, which doesn't really do it any favors. It's it's better in motion. But I guess granted that the suit is a kit bash of X-Aid's ride player suits and the ghost suit that I guess they just like put together a couple days before the show probably because they kit bashed some suits together. I guess we can only expect so much, but it's fine. Yeah, it's it 
it's just there. Um, and then to move from there to another Shinobi, um, I will say that I always like the another rider suits where you can see the weird, creepy eyes because I love them. I, I really do. But honestly, I feel the same about another Shinobi as I do about Shinobi. It's It's got some neat stuff, but also, you know, shrug. I mean, it, it's got some fun stuff going on lore-wise, what with being the another rider for a rider who doesn't yet exist. But I'm mostly just hitting the wall of this being a perfectly fine, creepy ghost ninja. But I don't know if it's not connected enough to Shinobi, or Shinobi's not connected enough to Common Rider for me. But it just, it doesn't feel like this weird, monstrous perversion of Common Rider Shinobi, who we don't really know. Unlike the other Another Riders where, yeah man, those, those things are messed. Because I know and love all of those characters, even the ones I don't know or love. I don't know Fies. I just don't. I don't care about Fies. I, I don't mean that to be mean, but I don't care about it. But when the another Fies comes up, I'm like, alright. Like, I would have done things differently, but I, I like what they did with it. Also, and if I have to notice this, all of you have to just be burdened with the existence of this. I wish I hadn't noticed that another shinobi has weird rings hanging off his pecs right about where his nipples would be. I do not care for this. You're welcome. Like but he's, um, he's also fine. It's, he, the thing is, my problem with him is that he looks more like the acorn guy from Gaim. Like, he looks like an another rider of that suit. Yeah. With just the way the head is, and I don't know. It which, just, I mean... It, it makes, makes me a... think of that. Which, which I guess I... isn't good because he's supposed to be this other guy. But, like, I never you... got a good enough look at the shinobi suit to be like, oh, yeah, that's that guy, but bad. I, I will say, though, that especially when they had him fight it, like with, with Sogo in the Gaim suit, at least, like, that's kind of a connection, because, like, Samurai and Ninja, like, if you're thinking about those two things together, I guess that's good, kind of. Like, it's evoking that sort of time period. Look, I'm grasping at straws, because, yeah, it's just, it's not a great suit. But, you, okay, we can, we can get away from Shinobi now. Sono, what do you think about Kamen Rider Waz's suit? First off, that Henshin jingle is a banger. Yeah. Like, I love it. It's great. That's a jam. Um, I actually kind of dig on the suit. I don't know if it's just that it evokes Necrom to me, and Necrom is just such a great design with, like, you know, the, the silver and the black and the green. But something about that neon green with the pops of this, like, just dark enough blue over silver and black is a really good futuristic combination. Like, it, it really sets the tone for what he is, which is this this guy from the future. Yeah, he really does sell that, and I feel so dumb for not making the Necrom connection. Because, wow, it's right there. Even down to, like, the circle thing on the face. Like, it's just that it has really futuristic techno music instead of Europop circa 2002. Yeah. Also, I I love all the rounded details, which 
I mean, like you were saying, that that only helps that futuristic feel. Because ever since the days of the iMac, ask your parents, kids, it's been all about shaving off the sharp edges of things. And dang, if this version of the 10 and 2 Dynasty logo, again, shaved, it's, it's very rounded. It's lots of ovals, lots of curves. It helps with that. And he's got he's got the circle pattern on the face that I really love, and and also fine. I'm just gonna come down and say it. I am a complete sucker for armor with light up bits. That's fair. Like it's it's too good. I love it. I I really hope that they put light piping in the common rider was figure arts. They won't because they don't do a lot of light piping, but they should. Um, if you don't know light piping. I'll just put examples of it in the as mentioned. It's a it's a way of using like clear plastic to catch light and make eyes glow and stuff. It is the best thing. But mostly I just I also want to throw out that the belt mechanism, while not a favorite of mine, is at least an interesting one cuz it's it's like them iterating on X-Aid cuz they they've got the belt and it has a picture of the guy on it and then you reflect that on the belt and then do some overlay stuff. They're doing some clever stuff with the visual presentation of the belts, even as I think it's a little clunky. Um, and from there, we've got the Common Rider Waz Shinobi armor. So this shouldn't, but it kind of does. Like the dark purple looks good with the bright green, but the dark purple isn't so overbearing on the suit that it kind of detracts from the form, and. The shoulders are way more subtle than other riders have ever been on Zio or Gates. So they don't Boy, that's change, a good call. They don't change the entire shape of the suit. Like it just it looks good. It looks like the same suit, but with some some bits on it. And honestly, I think that's its strength, because boy, the the other suits, they do not let you know, hey, under this is still this character. Like, they, they get swallowed up, especially, like, look, I, I have a certain fondness for the the Decade armor, the same kind of fondness one has for, like, when you see a picture of, like, a broken baby doll, it's like, oh, that's very poetic and, and it's disgusting and creepy, especially the way they framed it here, but, you know, that's, there's, there's a sense of, like, the, the poetic and tragic. It's just like, ah, you... You had no faith in your base suit, so you just hid it under everything, especially with the Decade one. But the Waz suit is just like, what's up? This is a good suit. We have confidence in it. We believe in it. Just, It's real good. But man, it's a shame about Shinobi not having more character. Yeah, that is a shame, because I would really like to like have some fond memories of this actor. Well, we'll see what the, that I the could, next... That I could like, maybe one day bring to Ninja. <laughs> To get me to, like, maybe get through it. You don't, like, look, as someone who watched all the way through Dininger and has some fond things to say about it, you don't need to. Like, you just, I just, you if I'm gonna drop Dininger permanently, I want to drop it on its own merits. That's not, fair. Not because I'm angry about the fandom. Because, like, I'm never going back to Gaim. Because Gaim was bad. Yeah, you didn't say I have no regrets, but I dropped that. I dropped Gaim because of Gaim. Yeah. If I'm gonna drop Ninja, I'd like to do it because I dislike Ninja. And not because I'm annoyed with people being annoying. That's that's fair. 
Uh, so then, do we have any other last-minute thoughts? Um, I can't wait for the next RX where I get to really go off on a suit. <laughs> Is go- I'm gonna go off, y'all. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so then, for the Uncommon Cast RX and the rest of the TOL network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sana. And don't live. I'm sorry, I've apparently forgotten my sauna. And don't get kicked by a horse and die. There we go.